0: welcome to human factors cast your weekly podcast for human factors psychology and design
1: you know what a just what a wonderful night to podcast uh, we we have we haven't done this in a couple of weeks Barry you and I no uh, it, it, this- it's great to be back <laughs> it's great to be back. Uh, It's episode 264, that's how many of these things we've done. Uh, We're recording this live on November 17th, 2022. This is Human Factors Cast. I'm Nick Rome, and I alluded to it earlier. I'm here joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. I'm not in a hotel. You are.
2: I very much, if you look, if you can (laughs) see behind me, the amazing decor, my wonderful lighting and the high quality camera and setup that I've got here um, by the wonders of modern technology that has been... But held together by elastic bands and Velcro. Don't tell them. That. Uh, we're doing this. It's a good thing. Don't tell them that. That's,
1: that's, uh, that's part of the
2: secret <laughs> sauce that goes into the
1: show. Speaking of the show, we have a great one for you. On the show tonight, we'll be talking about how voting methods affect group decision making. And later, we'll answer some questions from the community about managing layoff anxiety. That's something that's in the news. Competitor research making you want to work for other companies. And how many hours a week we spend on meetings per week. Uh, So, but first we have some programming notes. We were off last week. Uh, I was out in the middle of the woods and um, we're going to be off next week for Thanksgiving here in the States. So uh, I will have a recap or a recast out there for you all. I meant to do that last week, but just didn't. So I'll I'll pick something that's um, that's relevant to this story that we're talking about tonight and throw it out there next week for you all. Uh, So we're going to take off next week, but we'll be back on December 1st which will be a good old time. There's some really great stories out there that you can choose right now. If you go to our website, uh, click on any one of our episodes. It's It's in the bottom part. You can vote on whatever story you want to hear about next week. But Barry, I'm curious, what's going on at 1202? It's been a minute since we checked in.
2: It's been a while and I've actually got a new episode out there. So I interviewed Becky, Charles who's no stranger to the podcast she gets, she was part of our EHF uh, 2022 re- um but she is a rail investigator and so she gives the lowdown on what the real accident investigation branch does and what she does um, as an investigator and how human factors plays a key component into that so really really interesting thoroughly recommend you go and uh, download that and have a have a listen once you finish listening to this Yes, please
1: listen to this first. Don't go, don't go leaving us, because uh, we got a great news story for you. Let's go ahead and get into the news. That's right. You all voted uh, for this story. So Barry, what what is the story this week? <laughs>
2: And I would like to thank you all for doing it. Uh, The news, this story this week is, new study shows how voting methods affect group decision making. And so that when groups of of people need to reach a decision, they will often take a poll to test opinions before the official vote. New research from the University of Washington shows that one specific voting method proved more effective than others in identifying the best choice. In a recent study, researchers found that groups used multi-voting in unofficial votes were 50% more likely to identify the correct opinion than those used using plurality. Plural, plural, <laughs> Oh, there's always one. Uh, Plurality or ranked uh, ranked choice voting. Multivoting gives people several votes to allocate across all options. The reality show American Idol uses multivoting, giving fans 10 votes each. They can use all 10 votes for their favourite contestant or split their votes amongst one or two. For this study, students were given 10 votes to distribute amongst three choices. The researchers compared multi-voting to other popular voting methods, plurality and ranked choice voting. Researchers found that no found no evidence that discussions in the multi-voting groups varied in any meaningful way from the other two voting conditions. Instead, the benefit of multi-voting occurred before the discussion, as students processed the information more deeply and considered the intelligence more critically whilst this may work in other contexts the researchers don't believe it would work for political elections mostly because of how taxing it would be to allocate votes across a variety of options so nick what are your thoughts would you like to be able to cast 10 votes on this story or or just one
1: so a, a couple a couple things here uh they say it's not would not be great for political uh Elections, and that's probably true, but we're probably going to talk at least something about political elections. Um, and I'm wondering if that method, if it's because the methodology is just a little too uh complex for something that should be free and fair to everybody. Um, so I don't know. Also, the, the, the crazies would be out if everybody got <laughs> 10 votes, like you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, geez. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this, this, um, this is really interesting to me from a psychology perspective, because um, when thinking about voting methods, obviously it's a hot topic right now, there's um, there's a couple ways, there's a big debate here in the States about, do you do rank choice voting? And when is it appropriate to do rank choice voting versus plurality? Um, and what are the benefits of each? And this is another method that just kind of takes, kind of I don't know, I think the best of both of those worlds. And-, and kind of makes it uh makes a case why it's such a good uh, alternative for group decision making. But Barry, what are what are your initial sort of thoughts on this article?
2: Well I guess I'd first I'd agree with you. It's difficult not to think of it in political voting terms purely because of the climate and the news that's going on at the moment. Um, but I'm sure we'll get over that. We will talk about it in a lot of detail. Hopefully. I've got a minor concern about the methodology, if I'm honest. That they when they've done it, they've only used three options to dis- distribute 10 votes to I kind of my gut tells me that four or five would have been would have given you a better flavor of how this worked perhaps um I'm sure they've got some really good reasons behind the methodology why they did what they did um, and this is just purely a gut feel um but it is going back to that political thing having said we might we shouldn't touch on it but it does highlight actually you know the, the voting system that you use is really connected to the outcome that you want to get so you've got to be able to understand um the the weight or the seriousness of the outcome that you want so they mentioned american idol um actually in the grand scheme of things if if your favorite singer doesn't win um is the world going to end well possibly not um so therefore almost the seriousness of it doesn't matter as much um however if you're voting on something um around i don't know your uh, your next political representative then does the ambiguity there maybe um, influence that may you know not give it as much grounding as it should but it also needs to cater the the voting system needs to cater for not just the majority because you could argue that we could teach most people how to do this but actually the vote the voting system um, in political voting needs to cater for everybody it has to be completely accessible not just majority accessible mm. Um but I think it's really timely for us in the UK because just like we mentioned, American Idol, we're watching "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here" here in the UK, and uh, that uses a um, uh, this system. Being said, you get five votes, and you can um, you can vote for your favorite celebrity to do the um, eating disgusting parts of animals trials and things like that, as they're in the jungle in Australia. So that is a, a real um, a, a really useful outcome of it. But for <laughs> Um, the fundamental question i want to ask is does this actually lead to better quality of outcome um because again the the, the second part that kind of concerned me was this study seemed to insist that there is a there is a correct outcome and therefore you know this got there whereas actually when you're talking about public opinion um, even even just in our human factors world there is no right answer there is just less wrong answers <laughs> uh, yeah well let's let's talk a little bit opinion. about
1: let's talk about the methodology a little bit here because, because there is a correct answer in the methodology. And, and Mm -hmm. so the way, what they did this, uh, or the way that they did this, I should say is, um, sort of based on the pursuit teams developed by the department of Homeland Security here in the States, uh, after, um, nine 11. So the purpose was to sort of connect the findings of multiple intelligence agencies, track potential terrorist threats. And basically in the study, they asked, um, a a bunch of different groups. I think they had 93 groups of undergrads kind of simulate the counterterrorism support teams, identify which of the three suspects represented the greatest threat. And the students were given information about these terrorists, but no group member had all the information about any one subject. And so students had to share intelligence to correctly identify the biggest threat. So that's kind of how Mm -hmm. this happened. And in this case, there was a definitive answer. One of these... um, suspects was in fact a terrorist in this study and there's uh there could potentially be a lot of issues here if we look at um <laughs> let's not worry about were the ethics sh- were, of this okay were they shown pictures i don't know i don't know yeah this is we're just reporting the details here folks uh and so who knows what kind of other things were going on there behind the scenes what what ultimately is i guess the important thing here is that they found that the correct answer uh by sharing information with each other. As you know, you might do in a political campaign. There we go, bringing it back to politics. But also, uh, they they shared that information together and tried to make a decision together. And everybody voted on who they thought with all that information ahead of time. So that's how this is working, and I can see this being useful in um, in real life decision making when maybe there's some sort of impasse where. Um, no one can really come to an agreement in in a plurality thing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and 51% seems a little too unfair for, you know, literally the other half of people. But, um, if there's a couple different psychological things that are going on here, when you cast a vote for either one or multiple, um, answers in this, I'll just call them answers. I don't want to call them candidates, but if you think about like a, uh, uh, paths forward, let's say you, uh, like you're in a business or something and you're trying to make a business decision. That's a collective decision. Uh, you could do this for like shareholders of, of stock too. Right. And give them, mm-hmm. if there's multiple, there's a multitude of options they could then select which of those options they want to give more weight to like I would, I just, I really want this option. All 10 points go to that one. Or I would like this option or this option, but definitely not this one. Then you do five, five and zero, right? And so there's a way to allocate those points in a way that makes sense for you based on, What you want, but also if you share information with others about what's going to be most accurate, and so that's kind of the context here. There's a lot of different ways in which which we can go. I'd like to touch on some of the real world. um, Just
2: before, sorry, just before you do that, because the last bit around this, which I thought was truly interesting, was the fact that the vote was because you sort of think that the it would be the basis of the discussion, and then people waited their votes. But the fact that this vote happened before any discussion meant and they were getting the right answer before discussion meant that actually we didn't need, need to bother with the discussion just a vote and, you, and you're done you just walk out i just yeah, thought that was that what they're that, saying right yeah and i just thought that was really really interesting um so okay you, and, you, and, and you, I, don't, you... I don't know what that i don't know what that really what the impact of that is, is on what on what what it is that we do do we don't bother with focus groups anymore. Just give everybody uh, one of these weighted votes, and we'll get the right answer. Okay.
1: You're jumping into two different pools here. I want to, I want to, ju- okay. Sorry. This is, that's okay. You're opening it. up a lot of doors, Barry. You're opening up so many doors. I'm going to open up the <laughs> first door. Let's just, let's just rain it back. And we'll get back to sort of that performance piece. No, it's okay, because that's a really important, uh, like literally everything I have under there under system health and safety is all that performance piece. But we'll get to that in just a second. So let's actually back up and talk about some other real world examples. So we already talked about the American Idol example. um, And you brought up the great example of the, um, help me, what is it? The show? Oh, um, I'm a to get me out of here. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. There's also other examples that I, that we thought of before the show, right? One of them is yeah. like prevalent in video games. You, you, uh, you level up and you get a certain allocation of skill points or whatever, and you can put those in a certain, um, in whichever way that you feel is going to be the best for you. And, you know, if the game is designed well, then it's going to give you a quote unquote correct choice where it is. Tailored to your play style, assuming that you have the information that you need beforehand. A little bit of a loose example, but that is kind of the concepts that we're talking here. You level up, you get five points, you get to allocate them however you like. Uh, yeah. Barry, you have this other example here. You want to talk about that one?
2: Yeah. So we—I ran a workshop, and this is—I uh, say I ran it. No, I contributed to a workshop um, a bunch of years ago now. But we were looking at the blend of live and synthetic training, particularly in the air domain, and um, and what we did was to give it real practical. Agency was to give each person um, ten Lego bricks, and then on a platform we had uh, basically the, the, a Lego base with three labels on it: live, blended, and synthetic. And they had they could vote with their ten Lego bricks where they wanted to see the balance of training happen, and um, and where the most value could be had. And so they could put, say, one on live or 10 on live or basically the, the sort of voting we talk about. But it had a real practical aspect because they could play uh, play with the Lego bricks whilst they were waiting and things like that. But then they would use it as their, so their voting system. And at the end, each table, if everybody placed their 10 bricks, each table then had a um, a most preferred training solution. And um which was using using the system, which I which was just really cool. It meant we could take photos about it and show it around other other tables and, and get them to talk about it.
1: Those are I mean, that's a really cool example. And when I saw Legos, I was like, what are you what are you talking about here? But that's actually a really cool example of how this can be used in our practice mm. as, as human factors practitioners, as uh UX folks. I mean, I think there's we can talk about that application in a second, but you did open another door, and I want to make sure that we talk about that. Because mm-hmm. you were talking about the performance piece of this and how they did this before even discussing, and yeah. it's basically just they're they're determining the right information before all that discussion happens. Let's talk about the performance of polling. Um, so when you look at plurality vo- voting, pl- plurality voting. See, so it's
2: not familiar. just me. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> Got him. This is where voters. This is uh, like here in the states we do plurality voting, uh, where most yeah. voters select and one option and it's most of the time used in political elections, and this is just one one person, one vote, uh, that's it, right? So in in this case, 31% of plurality teams, um, so again, we're looking at about 100 teams, 31% of them uh, chose the most threatening suspect in the final vote, uh, and about the same as if it were left up to chance. So that's, that's interesting to me that that is... Uh, the voting in plurality is essentially just leaving it up to chance. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, in the unofficial vote, 6% of teams had uh, a majority of members identify the correct suspect. That's less than the 11% that would have expected it by chance, which is just insane to me. So it, w- what this is telling me is that plurality voting is
2: like really broken as hell. And, and <laughs> uh, caveat that. Okay. cuz again in the methodology not every person had the same information so they you know in theory on an on a normal election um everyone should have we know this isn't true right. but everybody should have the same information and working from the same knowledge base so this the the, the bit about chance I think is 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 right because that's what you'd expect if, if everybody's only really getting a third of the knowledge okay um you're, but I still think plurality is broken. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: then let's talk about the alternative here. At least in the States, we're getting a lot of talk about ranked choice voting, which is, yeah. um, you know, being voted, on, I think even Seattle here, just north of me, um, has voted on it recently to, um, and even my county too has, well, it it uh, voted no on ranked choice voting, but um, basically allows them to list their preferences from first to last. So, um mm-hmm. You know, first choice is this. My first choice is Barry. My second choice is Nick. My third choice is my cat, right? Or other way around. Sounds about right. That's, that's the way it should be done. Yeah. Anyway, so so then, um, <laughs> then if if Barry doesn't get enough of the votes, or if it doesn't meet meet fifty percent or whatever, you know, then then the votes will yeah. go to Nick, and Nick will then move up and get all the votes that Barry had. They'll move over to Nick, uh, and then if Nick doesn't get enough votes. Then they'll do another round and then, um, you know, all all Nick's votes, which contain all Barry's votes, will then go to my cat. Uh, and therefore, my cat might actually win against the other person who had, you know, all the first choice votes. But this is supposed to be uh, a, a an approach to get the moderation of um, or the, the middle point between all the candidates uh, or all the options.
2: It is, but it's also there to make you feel like your voters had weight. So with the plurality voting, oh, I said it, brilliant. Uh, with plurality vote, didn't say it twice. Uh, with that sort of voting, you know, if your candidate doesn't win, then you've lost. And you and we certainly feel in this, in this current um, day and age, and this is not just politics, this is ac- across the piece, if whatever you voted for doesn't win, then you feel like you personally lost. What this option does is allow yes, you, your first choice might not have won, but your second choice might have, or your third. If you get all the way down to the bottom and you've, your, your vote had nothing to do with it, then maybe you're just really bad at making choices. Um, but the, you know, the grand scheme of things, you're ranking, so at least you can say, well, actually, I preferred that one over the other. So it does give you, as a as a person casting the vote, it gives more agency to um, to make you feel in accordance with the outcome which is interesting. Right. Um, We do, we do, we have that in using, so we have this post, national post called the police and crime commissioner and we use a version of it for that. Um, And it's interesting seeing that working Um, because I think people, whilst they don't necessarily agree with the position, they quite vote in system.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the performance here. Uh, It apparently didn't um, fare much better. Uh, In fact, 32% of teams identified the correct suspect in the unofficial vote um and so if you look at the 7% of those groups had a majority of members rank the right suspect uh so comparing with 32% th- with 31% of the prior group um And they make the point there. We're surprised by the ranked choice voting groups did not outperform the plurality groups. There's a lot of evidence, particularly in politics these days, that ranked choice voting leads to outcomes that are more consistent with the preferences of the electorate rather than plurality voting does. That's why we've seen so many political elections move towards ranked choice voting. But ranked choice voting is generally better at revealing the true preferences of the people and not necessarily getting to the exact right answer when people are making decisions at work. You're more concerned about getting it right than making sure it reveals what everybody thinks.
2: And I think that's absolutely right, isn't it? That's, that's, is that, I think that's a much better way of saying what I said at the beginning. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Because when we're trying to do stuff and trying to get, um, you know, to an answer, you know, they had um, to a definitive goal. um, That's not what these, that's not what voting does. Voting gives you, um, an opinion um, and that's what these are doing, so yeah I, I completely agree with them so the the multi voting is where
1: this gets interesting um and this is this might be a result of the way that they looked at this, but the multi voting group started stronger with most members in the thirty percent of groups choosing the most threatening suspect, and what that means again for multi voting is that that suspect was one of their ten votes, right so mm-hmm. They've cho- they, they now have more options to use. And so with one of those, they have chosen it. Um, and in the final vote, 45% of teams identified the most threatening suspect. So we're up from the 30s to 45% based on this one change of giving everybody multiple votes and allowing them to split them across multiple candidates
2: and weight them appropriately. But, and this, I might get this wrong, I could still flip a coin and have a better result. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because we were against three. No, that's wrong, because we were against three. It's three, isn't it? Not two. So I'll, I'll take that back. Uh, but um, I mean, wait, when, but you, no. when you when you think about group decision making, it, it it's probably
1: a better option than either of the other two. That's, I think, yes. what we're trying to argue here. Or that the articles
2: are. I would say what they're arguing, and I think we're largely agreeing. Um, I think there's because it's interesting because again, in fact, this jumps nicely into the next article around the way we now perceive voting, Um, and you know, actually, we've we've said said the notes here in U.S. politics, but actually, I'd say almost worldwide politics. Certainly, it's the experience we have in the U.K. Um, How do how do people see polling? In of itself, so opinion polls and things like that. How does it? Um, how do we feel that they act, and how do we react to them in our voting? Um, in our voting activity, uh, we think that polls are biased, um, depending on where they come from and who's pushing them out there. And um, despite the methodologies behind them, um, that largely most people who are polling do um, publish their methodology about how they're doing it, how they're weighting things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um so and I'm gonna steal your point from this, if if we use this sort of um this sort of methodology in electing leaders, et cetera, et cetera, would we get better results?
1: Yeah, or yeah. even or even have a better sense of what's going on in the world, right? Because there's there's sort of these uh straw polls that happen before mm-hmm. the official voting poll. Um, the vote is the ultimate poll, right? So you have these straw polls, which, like you said, are sort of some of them can be incredibly biased um, and some voting polls can be incredibly biased, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have these aggregators that are looking at all this information and trying to get it a more true picture of what's happening. Right. Five thirty eight is the one that comes to my mind. Um, and a lot of people have pointed out sort of, you know, gaps in their methodology as well. But over the last few political cycles here, Um, there's been sort of a weird mismatch in polling error when it comes to understanding the general thoughts and opinions of the public. And so that's kind of the last point here is, would this allow for us to understand a little bit better, would this move us a little bit closer to that true uh, understanding of the state of everything if we had this type of information or this type of poll when we collected it from somebody. I mean, it's a little bit more hard to get. It's a little bit more time intensive, but is it, you know, is it more accurate?
2: But again, the, I think this goes back to what is accuracy. Um, Because when we, when we, when we working in group decision-making and things like that, the, we are still, Generally, you 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 never get into a workshop position where you know what the answer is, unless it's a, a study like what's been developed here. Or you're trying. There's no way of getting to the end of it and saying, "Oh, by the way, you're all right" or oh, "You're all wrong." Well done, congratulations. Um, we are still picking out people's opinions. Um, what's it? I guess where. <laughs> To there's, I guess, there's an old adage and apologies to all my pilot friends um, that if you have a like say five pilots in a room, you'll get 10 opinions. Um, maybe, maybe this, um, maybe this lends itself to that that sort of thing a bit more. But it's, I, I think, used in the right circumstances. As I said, I've, I've already used it in, in a particular example. I can, I, it has value, it, it has agency to make it work, and it allows people to, particularly around those questions where there is. Um, not necessarily a, a simple right wrong option, not even the answer, but a right wrong option in your head. um it's like well actually I, I I favor this one, but I can see how this this option as well has a has a bit of um a bit of value and a, and I don't want to discount this option, so I'll put like my one brick on there as well just to show that I've thought about it and I've considered it. so it does allow you to have um allow you I guess your variety in in what you're doing.
1: I think the other sort of benefit to this approach, especially if you use it for, you know, like uh, selecting a design or something, right? Selecting options, right? That's what we're doing. But I think the other sort of advantage would be to, I guess, account for those who take it more seriously than others. You might have that person like you, Barry, who sat down and said, okay, I'm going to give one brick over here and maybe three bricks over here and six bricks to this one. And that's my 10. And you might just have somebody go, uh, I just like this one, 10. And, you know, they yeah. don't really put thought into the other ones. Like, this is the one that I like. I'm just going to stick with that one. If For them, it's effectively a binary pull. But then you also might have the other people that are like, I like these two. I'm um, going to go five here, five here. I don't really have a preference. Those two are it. And so it accounts for all three of these, like, or, or sorry, not just three, but it counts for um, a varying degree of of how many points or how how intense somebody is thinking about allocating points to these options and Mm -hmm. so because it caters to multiple types of multiple levels of effort we'll put it that way yeah yeah, uh, yeah. i i think this does make a lot of sense to use in in a lot of cases because you can sort of break it down as as much as you like
2: well it's also when i think you know, when you're optioneering or decision making, um, to be able to turn around, if you've got a if you if you've got to make decisions as, as a group, particularly newly formed groups or groups that are not familiar working together, um, and you just need to get to some answers quickly, because sometimes you just need to do that. Um, this could easily be something that would allow people to have their feel like they've had their say, to highlight the breadth of decisions that are possible, but still come to. Um a decision that, could, that the group would be happy with going with in moving forward,
1: right? And I mean, there's a lot of talk about not designing by committee. Would this allow you mm-hmm. to do that? I don't know if the if we think about the correct option, would this allow? Would this allow for designing by committee? I'm I'm just playing but, devil's advocate here, stirring up shit. I don't. It's
2: <laughs> that's the, no, but I mean, it's a fair comment. I think it's it would be a structured way of doing it, wouldn't it? If you've got multiple options and and there is literally. You know, you've had you've had the ability to lay out the pros and cons of say, say you're doing a design for something and there's four different ways of doing it, and there's no real you know, that one might buy, might be financially better, the other might be designed better or whatever. And you could turn around but they all have equal trade off. You could actually have a good discussion around the table and say, Right, okay, we've we need to come to a decision, wait them. Um with your pros and you know however you want to do it you just go for it do it you got five people around the table 10 people around the table you will come up with an answer as long as not yeah. everybody puts like sort of three bricks against it and you end up with a massive stalemate but that's unlikely to happen so
1: right right i mean let's talk about that speed accuracy trade off though because if you if you have a serious environment where you need um You need thought to be put into it, right? The, the, I'm going to put one brick here, three bricks here, six bricks here. You have those people, and they're going to think very carefully about how they allocate it. And that might be more accurate. So, we're talking really about the speed accuracy trade off here Mm -hmm. between the two. You, if you have a binary choice, it's either, yeah, this one or that one. And, you know, then it's, it's, it can be very quick to make a choice on those. If you're passionate about one option versus the other. But if you have this one, you're going to take a little bit more time, a little bit more more meticulous about it, especially if it impacts you in your day to day um, Mm -hmm. or is going to reflect on you and your performance at work or whatever is going to ultimately be the consequences of these uh, choices. And so, you know, I think ultimately do do you think that the the I guess the slow speed required to contemplate this is. Uh, is is appropriate for the level of accuracy that this article is suggesting that you would get?
2: I part of me feels that actually this is where almost the value of this will come into it. In that you, if you're presented with the information, and and again going back to their methodology of not having had discussion at this point, you're presented with the information that that you know because again they not everybody knew all the same information. So you go with the information that you know. And actually, that gives you, this is adding agency to your gut feel, isn't it? So your gut feel is built upon your knowledge and experience and and all that sort of stuff. Um, So you know what you know. Therefore, you have the feel of, it allows you to do things in handfuls. You're not going to think there of every single block, but you're going to think of, well, most of my blocks. You know, most of my votes, two-thirds of my votes are going to go over here. And then the other two, I'm going to put bits over here. Or I'm really positive about this. Ten votes are going here or uh, i'm not sure um open to things so three vote three vote three votes um what we don't talk about here actually haven't just thought about when somebody d- doesn't cast one of their votes is that an option um right. so they do don't, they don't, they don't cast all ten votes i'm assuming that's not an option but um, um when we talk about political voting you can do that you you don't have to cast all of your votes
1: mhm yeah i think the uh just to get back at at some of this um some of this article here you know the thing that i guess was surprising to them is that like we keep mentioning here i'm going to read a quote the real discovery and the thing that we didn't expect was that multi-voting groups were would be more accurate before they discussed uh this is getting at that that point that you made barry we just assumed they'd all be kind of equal before the discussion and that they'd improve at the end if people have an option to say i kind of like option a i also kind of like option b that might make them think more before they discuss, which then help can help them make the proper decision. And so, um, having that thought put into it before they even start discussing, I think is why there's some of this improvement mm-hmm. as well. Um. So, but but yeah, I think I think there's a lot of practical use for us in our day to day, and I I'm certainly going to use this if I can find a software that does it reliably and quickly. Uh, And in a way that's easy to use, because that's the other part is how do you explain this to somebody in a quick and easy way without having to sit down and go, all right, so you have 10 points, you know, vote as many times as you'd like for the thing that you want. You can use all 10 points. Like, it just seems a little complicated for something that you want to get snappy feedback on.
2: I guess it it is about context, isn't it? Because we're talking about using in workshops and things like that. And I think if you've got people in a workshop, everybody is around the same You've got the same outcomes. You've got the same desire to get the same, you know, the same outcome. You want some sort of decision. Therefore, when you turn around and say you've got ten votes, you've got three options. Distribute ten votes to how you how you see fit. Most people would get behind that and do it. When we again we we make that comparison to, to the political voting, there are lots of other threads. There's lots of other uh, um, agendas going on. And I think if this was seen as vaguely complicated in any way, then that will then be used as a um, a way of testing the the legitimacy of the vote and and things like that so um how you i think educating people in a in a in a workshop environment would actually be probably a lot easier than we than we think it would be to use it in any sort of political sphere or any of that sort of um element i think we you would struggle
1: well i'm i'm thinking about this even beyond well politics related but not like voting, voting. So like my city council sends out emails every now and then that says, give us your thoughts on on this thing about town. And they'll say, you know, what are your top choices for us to improve around town or whatever? And you can or, you know, what are your top concerns? Um, and they're not all equal. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I might I might be more concerned about the playground down the street than I am about uh, the homeless in, in the center of town, right? I still want housing for those people. I still want them to have a place to go. But my kid is going over here, right? And so I might put like, you know, six votes at the park and four votes for homeless people down the way. right? But I just because I put it second, I don't want you to think that, you know, I don't. It's like they're still getting my other four votes and everything else on that list doesn't matter. So I don't know. There's There's ways in which I can see this being useful if it's sent out to people, and they use it in a way that still has impact in their everyday lives, but don't necessarily it's not like political, right? I think there's a way to mm. do this, especially for gathering feedback on designs or um, user preferences or anything like that. You send something out, and you get um, you know you get people to to respond with. This is the most important feature to me and I'm going to put all 10 on this because this is the one thing that's missing from this product for me. Yeah. Um and that allows you to prioritize on the back end a lot easier when you have that disparity in votes. When you see, "Oh, there's 400 points for this one." That means that, you know, of the 1000 people that we sampled, many of them put that as their number 1 and the next one is 200 points and it's by, you know, by half. Yeah uh so that's where i'm thinking this m- might be useful is like that prioritization of feature sets uh prioritization of um wants and needs for a community that type of thing
2: no i i i think we're largely coalescing around this idea that um this we've already got examples of where we have used it previously um that we like the methodology we think it's got value it's got agency um what this article does for me is actually highlight that it does have value and that you know even as a uh, using it earlier on than i would possibly have done before um that the initial to use it as, a, as initial test uh, initial tasting the air as it were that um it has huge value and will get we'll will get you fairly close to a um the right solution um or the right you know the, the, the coalescing of opinion I have a couple
1: loose rounds that I want
2: to address before Love we them. get out of here.
1: First thing, I would I would put all my votes into homeless camps. Just saying, I wouldn't put them over the park around the around the way. I mean, right, I okay. use that as an example, but I just I want to I want to make sure that people know that I would value the homeless camps uh, over the park. That's the first See, thing. But the the, the, thing. The second
2: thing. Problem backtracking already. You're already changing your political agenda. <laughs>
1: I just don't want somebody to at me on Twitter, which is a a, a Twitch show right now. And um, I really hope that's next week's, or I guess December 1st story, because there's a lot of stuff going on on Twitter right now. Uh, the, the other point that I was going to make is that, um, yes, I'm going to take this and I'm going to use this. And I'm I'm almost wondering if we use this, like you said, earlier on in the process, you do it twice and you make your own mm. study of it and say, look. Um, and you show the people, the stakeholders and be like, look, we're going to take all your results early on. We're going to take those. We're not going to show you the results. Let's all talk. Let's do it again. Look, they're the same. Do we need to do this every time? Do we need to do this every time? Like, (laughs) you know, and if you, you do that enough times, people will just be like, yeah, I, I guess you're right. We don't need to do this every time. You save so much time that way.
2: Depending on the value in the conversation.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. Do you have any other loose rounds that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh,
2: I, it's really interesting. I think it's a... Um, I, it's nice to see some... Because we do often talk about, um, I guess, some really basic uh, papers at times or articles that just seem to fill the gaps in our knowledge um, or, or put some evidence behind what we knew, kind of already knew already. Um, whereas this is actually... this the, the whole nuance behind that about when you time that vote, I think, has been really enlightening and real game changer so it's quite nice to have what seems like a really basic article that's actually got a bit of nuance behind it that could change the way that we work so good choices yeah.
1: that is refreshing thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic and thank you to our friends over at the university of washington for our new story this week if you want to follow along we do post links to all the original articles on our weekly roundups and our blog you can also join us on discord where we post those you can do all the discussion on those stories and much more. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this.
0: Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners our patrons are our priority and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us pledges start at just one dollar per month and include rewards like access to our weekly q a's with the hosts personalized professional reviews and human factors minute a patreon only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique obscure and interesting human factors topics in just one minute patreon rewards are always evolving so stop by patreon.com slash human factors cast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends.
1: we love our patrons huge thank you as always to our patrons we especially want to thank our honorary human factors cast staff patron michelle tripp uh our patreon crew uh really does support the show from the ground up we spend so much time and resources and money out of our own pocket to make this thing happen um and uh whenever we get any level of support it truly offsets some of that and uh we genuinely can't thank you enough for all that stuff Um, this is the part of the show where I like to talk about some of the other stuff that we have going on. We have a website that you may or may not have visited. If you haven't visited lately, go check it out. We have all sorts of fun stuff over there. And yes, it is our episodes. Those are up there. But, um, with our episodes, we got a lot of, uh, sort of detailed show notes that you might not necessarily know. So we have uh, links to any guests that were on that week, uh, embedded YouTube videos. So you can see, um, you know, how handsome Mr. Barry is, uh, over here. And, um, you know, if, if you're regularly an audio listener, you can kind of see our faces and if our voices match up to those faces. Uh, but, but beyond that, I mean, there, there's a lot of really cool things that we do on our website that you might not be aware of. We do news roundups every week. I mention those every week on the show, but I want to specifically call it out here. We do a weekly roundup, um, of news around the human factors world. And so we kind of break it down top stories and, uh, you know, just like, Human Factors News, which is kind of one-liners, but you can check them out. We put the links all there for you. It's a collective resource for you. All We do those monthly as well. Uh, We also have deep dives on our website. So, you know, how how Human Factors and the Olympics go together or uh, deep dives into some of the episodes that we've actually had on the show. We go much more into depth on the website. We have guides and reviews coming out very soon. Uh, like I said, info on guests that've been on the show. So all of our HFES coverage has a ton of information about our guests. You can go find more about them there. Ways to submit your own stories. If you are a researcher, a student who has a story in human factors that you want to submit to us, we automatically take all the stuff out of paywalled content out of our sources because we want it to be free and accessible to everybody. And so, if you have something that's that we can share that is perhaps behind a paywall let us know. We'd be more than happy to do that for you. <laughs> uh, you can also search our entire catalog of episodes, videos, and our short form format, uh, short form content. So we have all the YouTube shorts, the Instagram uh, reels, whatever you call them, TikToks, the whatever, whatever them kids are calling them these days. We have those all searchable on our platform. If you want to search all that there, it's cool. Uh, we got conference recasts on there. We got a ton of stuff. That's what I'm trying to say here. If it's been a minute since you checked out the website. Go take a look. Humanfactorscast.media. Uh, that's it. So, so go check it out. Uh, why don't we get into this next part of the show we like to call.
0: It came from.
1: It came from. All right. It came from. This is where we search all over the Internet to bring you topics the community is talking about. If you find any of these answers useful. Give us a little like wherever you're watching to help other people find this stuff. Uh, we got three tonight. The first one here is by C Train Four Nine Nine Seven on the UX Research subreddit. How are you all managing layoff anxiety right now? I've been laid off once; it was scarring. Hearing all this news, how are you guys
2: managing your layoff anxiety, Barry? Aren't they all being rehired now? Isn't that part of the uh, the cycle? But anyway, this it is. It's it's not a nice period of time. Um, I've been in that situation where you're in, you know, there's going to be a layoffs happening um, and I've, I've been laid off myself. Um, But you've got to look on the, on the positive side of it. And that's all you can do. You can't just sit and um, keep trying, like sort of keep that, that, you know, grip on that job, get out start do, start looking at the positive side of things. I, I was absolutely gutted when it happened to me um, for on a whole bunch of reasons, but genuinely was one of the best things that ever happened. If I, it, it it sprung board me into actually doing uh, still in the same domain, different company. And, and was just, just blew my career up in a really positive way. Nick, what about you? Have you been in this, in this position at all?
1: Thankfully, I have not knock on wood (laughs) with everything going on right now. (laughs) uh, I mean, there's a couple of common sense things I think that you can be doing right now um, there. You can sort of use this as an opportunity to update your resume. So that way you're ready to go. Um, it, maybe spend a little extra time on the weekends, polishing that thing up. Cause it's been a while since you touched it. And you know what, if even if you're not afraid of a layoff, why don't you bust that old thing out and dust it off a little bit. Uh, and then you can also, you know, start, start saving a little bit, maybe tightening down your spending. Those are some common sense things that you can do um, that, off the top of my head, at least that uh, if you're expecting some sort of change in climate that for, with uncertainty, you can start doing those. But I mean, also you could start looking um, mm-hmm. if you want to get ahead of it, you could start looking uh, if, if you have sort of the hubris of, I, well, I'm not going to get laid off and that they're, they're never going to get rid of me. Um, maybe, maybe rethink that attitude. I don't know.
2: I don't know. Yeah. But don't. But actually, just to follow that up, don't. If you're that close to it happening, don't jump before you're pushed. Yep. Because if you if you leave, then you you miss out on any sort of payout. Yep. So, yes. Go go and look for something else, but don't jump. Yeah.
1: Yep. All right. Next one up here from User Experience subreddit. This one's by BJJJ uh, John. I think that's right. That rolls off the tongue.
2: Yep.
1: John does competitor research. Just this one's funny to me. This one, sorry this one's hilarious to me i don't know i okay does competitor research just end with the conclusion that you want to work for them over the last years i've done competitor research i can't help but think at the end of the process how awesome my competitor is no matter the problem product or experience i'm left with the overall feeling that i'm not at the best company does anyone else feel like this has anyone else jumped ship to work for the best in the class competitor
2: barry uh nope um Oh generally, I mean my good reaction was no, clearly not. I guess I've when doing competitive analysis, I have looked and gone, Oh, I like the way that they do something and I might have um taken the idea and rolled it into what I do, I guess, but no, I, I can't I hand on heart, I can never I can say I've never sat down and and said, Oh, because they're doing this, I really want to go and work with them. Um there must be a time I've done so. I, I honestly don't think that has. Nick, is, have you have you been in a situation where you've just gone, wow, they're amazing?
1: I Okay. So not in a professional manner, not like uh, a, a competitive analysis that you do at work of other products that are closely related to the thing that you're working on. I've never gone, ah, I should be working there. Um, because like you said, you know, beg, borrow and steal the parts and pieces that you feel is going to be best for your product i have done sort of the um i don't know how to like basically the everyday interactions like oh that they're doing something cool i i'd I'd like a job there that'd be kind of cool but i haven't done not not with a competitive analysis no that one
2: just this one just tickles me a little bit I've I've generally just lusted after companies. that um, are like yeah, if exactly. oh, they say, offer me a job, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd jump jump at the job. Uh, the and actually, long term listeners to to this podcast will know exactly which company I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, not not after doing not after doing actual work.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So no. Um, <laughs> next one here is again the user experience subreddit by Lipino. Uh, they write, how many hours do you spend on meetings in one week on average as a remote UX product designer? I'm going to add in researcher, human factors, engineer. It's all the same here. Well, not all the same, but it all counts. Barry, uh, w- w- uh, in a week, how many hours do you
2: spend on meetings in a remote setting? In a remote. So, yeah. So, if I'm so if I'm working a 37-hour week, which is kind of our sort of standard, though I, I generally do a lot more than that um i would guess at least 15 i would say a good around 15 up to about half the time i'm probably on remote meetings particularly now after uh, post-covid um yeah i think that'll be about right I'd yeah
1: i i don't want to put a number to this because it's gonna it's gonna be it depends for me um mm there it is right there's the button uh, so it will depend on which phase of research that you're in if you are conducting user interviews it's going to be like half time it's going to be m- even higher potentially 75% of your time you know in a 40 hour week you're on calls for 30 30 hours of them on a on a analysis week it could be the opposite you could have like 5 hours of meetings you know mm-hmm. and a meeting a day or something um just depends I would say on average is probably where you said Barry anywhere in the 15 to 20 hour range um maybe a little bit less some weeks I don't know 15 is good 15 is a good number
2: I've been I mean the only reason I've got a slightly decent answer to that at the moment is because I've been doing some resource planning um for myself and what I've had to do to deal with the the ebb and flow of what we do I've I've kind of think that we work in three-month cycles um, in terms of the way that projects run, um, and so I've actually I averaged that out over a three month cycle to get roughly what what my what my utilization is. Um, so we're talking about it on a week on week basis is as you say, is really difficult. but fine, if you want to look at what it is, look a bit broader than that and see where your true work cycle flows. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. I know some software will tell you as well. Um, you know, Google Calendar, I think, tells you. And I think uh, mm. Microsoft Teams tells you, hey, you spent this many hours on work last week or in meetings last yes. week. So they, they, they're they sensitive to that and they want you to work more and talk less is ultimately what that's coming down to. All right. Uh, getting into this last part of the show. It's just one more thing. One more thing. Barry, What's uh, what's your one more thing?
2: Well yeah, I'm so shocked that we've made it to the end of this and the technology held <laughs> together. Um my one more thing this week has been uh, we sort of men- mentioned um Twitter earlier on, um obviously different people are um looking at alternatives and I trialed Mastodon this week. Um to which is a um a federated um social media platform um, which all the um as they call it all the lefties are going to. And um I found it incredibly difficult to use. Um, the idea of, of you have to do so much pre-prep to get any sort of meaningful news feed, uh, I found it really difficult. So I think I'm missing a trick somewhere. I'm clearly not using it properly. But f- for the idea of what um, already your social media feed has, not just Twitter, any social media as a, as a main feed, that has stuff that the algorithm rhythms push your way. What they're trying to do here is trying to get you to almost develop your own algorithm by, by doing your selections, but it's so difficult to get into. So I would encourage anybody else to go and have a look at it and see whether you, whether I'm just being completely moronic over it um, and just missing something simple. But for being the, the next big thing, I've got a long way to go. Yeah. Anyway, that's mine. What about you, Nick? What's your one more thing?
1: Well, I was mentioning last week, or not last week. Last week was the thing. The week before, I was going to be in the woods, alone with my family, with no internet during election night. And wouldn't you guess, would you like to guess what happened? I got a little signal. I got just yeah. a little signal. <laughs> just so enough. I was just enough to refresh Twitter every couple of minutes to see what was coming in couldn't stream video but I could certainly sit there and refresh <laughs> every 5 minutes and that's what I did. Uh my 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 wife and son went to bed super early because it was a long day of driving and um you know so I just sat there with the fireplace on and uh in in the dark with my Twitter feed on just refreshing in the middle of the woods. <laughs> that was that was me. <laughs> and uh it was it guy. was Definitely a different experience for election night than I'm used to. Like I said, I usually have up my three headed monitor display with something over here, something over here, something there. TV on streaming phone on different resources, just going, 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 trying to figure out the latest. Uh, it still worked out OK. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was harder to track the like weird counties. But there are still some like yeah. races that are super close that are uh, still potentially coming in anyway cool that's uh that's it for today everyone if you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion about decision making i'll encourage you all to go listen to episode 242 where we talk about how top reviews can help sway consumer decisions i'll actually throw that as the uh the recast for next week so stay tuned for that there you go. comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for more in-depth discussion you can always join us on our discord community visit our official website like i mentioned tons of cool stuff over there sign up for our newsletter stay up to date with all the latest human factors news you like what you hear, you want to support the show, a couple ways you can do that. One, thank you. Just keep listening. That's that's what you can do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can always leave us a five-star review. That actually helps out with uh, some of the folks looking for other shows to find. Leave us a five-star review. It'll help out. Tell your friends about us. That is something that will really help the show uh, and that is free for you to do. Hey, have you heard about Human Factors Cast? It is a cool podcast where they talk about things like voting and, uh, uh, I don't know, some other cool stuff. Robots, AI, uh, decision-making it's all there it's a cool show tell your friends and if you have the financial means you can always support us on Patreon we'll never say no to your money and we will appreciate you forever Uh, as always links to all of our socials and the website are in the description of this episode Mr. Barry Kirby thank you for being on the show today where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about your uh, uh, really conservative views on politics
2: yeah well you can always find my really conservative right wing views on Twitter at k. You can find me on Mastodon as well, but I've got no idea how. Um, to where you can, but if you want to listen to some in-depth uh, interviews with players in the field of Human Factors in and around um, in and around the domain, then come on to my podcast, 1202 Human Factors Podcast, 122podcast.com. I may have pushed him too
1: hard, folks. He's going to be on Truth <laughs> Social by next week. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on our Discord. Uh, and across social media at nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time It Depends, it depends.
2: Spacecraft, railway locomotives nuclear submarines, healthcare jet aircraft. These are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people, ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202 The Human Factors Podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do. Sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.